You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. When, when you do have these accomplishments, you really need to savor the moment because, like you said, you can't expect to win time after time after time. And sometimes when you say achieve a goal and then you're just ready to move on to the next one, I feel like you need to take a minute and pat yourself on the back and enjoy what you just did because as soon as you let go of that, then you're back to, you know, trying to attain it again. And so I've, I've learned, and I would say that's somewhat recently to really savor, uh, you know, a, an accomplishment that, that I feel like I've set and made and enjoy it because I, it, it may not happen, you know, the next horse show, you're only as good as your last ride kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You need to savor those accomplishments. Welcome to the Practical Horseman podcast, featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Julia Murphy, and this week's episode is with top West Coast hunter competitor and trainer, Jenny Karazizis. For as long as she can remember, Jenny's goal was always to be a professional rider. Even as a young girl riding ponies, she knew that's what she wanted to be when she grew up. Starting off with lessons from her babysitter, Sherry Rose, Jenny went on to have a successful junior career and at its conclusion, immediately became a professional working for Sherry. Then, in her early 20s, Jenny started dating her now-husband, Coast Karazisis, a successful competitor and trainer in his own right. The two combined their efforts and have been riding and training together for decades. Jenny and Coast run Far West Farms out of El Campeon Farms, located in Thousand Oaks, California. Family owned and operated since 1971, Far West Farms and the Karazisis family specialize in hunters, jumpers, and equitation at all levels. When she's not training horses or students, Jenny is competing on some of the biggest hunter stages in the country. Over the course of her career, she has won numerous national and international hunter derbies. A few of Jenny's favorite career highlights include winning the WCHR Professional Challenge at the Capital Challenge Horse Show, winning the $500,000 Hunter Pre-Finals at Hit Saugerties, receiving the CPHA Horsewoman of the Year Award and the USEF Zone 10 Equestrian of the Year Award. In this episode, get to know Jenny and her journey in the sport, learn about her training program for both students and horses, and get insight on her favorite exercises at home that make her horses fit, happy, and successful. Before we dive into the podcast, I'd like to thank the sponsor of this week's episode, Purina Animal Nutrition, and share their message. This podcast is sponsored by Purina Animal Nutrition, with three research-backed ration balancers to fill nutritional gaps in your horse's diet. Enrich Plus delivers a concentrated source of protein, vitamins, and minerals without unnecessary calories. Enrich Plus Senior features active age prebiotic technology and Outlast supplement for aging easy keepers. And Omega Match is rich in omega-3 fatty acids and vitamin E, great for horses without access to green grass. 
Find a ration balancer for your horse at PurinaMills.com forward slash ration balancers or visit your local feed store. Now, enjoy the episode with Jenny. I always like to start with how did you get interested in horses and riding to begin with? I was very young. I as far back as I can remember, I begged my parents for a pony. Um, and they finally gave in in that they said, why don't you take a couple of lessons first and see if you, you know, do want to continue with it rather mm-hmm. than just go out and get me a pony when I've never even sat on one before. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, it just so happens my babysitter owned a horse that she kept down the street in a neighborhood neighbor's backyard. Um, and she agreed to give me lessons. And that's kind of how it, it started from there. And how old were you when that when that started? Do you remember? I was seven, seven years okay. old when I first started taking lessons from her. And she was not a trainer at the time. She is now. But at the time, she just, you know, would ride her horse in, in the backyard and, and mm-hmm. also, you know, had an affinity for horses. And you got the the horse bug when you were a little girl, <laughs> like like so Definitely. many of us. I mean, I think there's something to it. It's in your blood. You, you yeah, have to have absolutely. It, you don't. You know. I totally I agree. That. I totally agree. And so, you know, since then, you have come through the sport. You are incredibly talented. You've had so much success. Um, and what is it about the sport that has kept you involved for all of these years? Well, thank you very much for your compliments and Mm -hmm. I appreciate that um again I just I can't imagine doing anything else and I never look back the whole time I mean I've I've been since I was seven and I'm now 61 so I I think the only time I ever took any time off was when I was pregnant and that was just from actually the actual riding but I still was very involved Mm -hmm. in teaching or or you know one way or another um I always couldn't wait for the next horse show. I, you know, I just, I just love it. And can you speak about some of your mentors throughout your career and people who have influenced your riding career? Oh, gosh. Uh, I would say that Lou Thomas was an idol of mine when I would you know, was first starting as a professional. She was, you know, such a beautiful hunter rider. And I always thought, you know, I looked up to her and wanted to be like her. Um, Aside from being a beautiful rider, she was very well respected. And that was always something that I, you know, was a goal of mine to, to, you know, want, be a respected professional in this industry. Um, my, of course, Sherry, who was my first trainer, was a big influence. And Sherry would also uh, have clinics. She would invite people to give clinics when she did eventually become a trainer. Um, Ronnie Much was my trainer when I went east to compete in the medal finals. That was just one year mm-hmm. that I did that, my last junior year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't very common for people from California at that time to to go east for the finals like it is now yeah yeah um but sherry was aware that if you you know you wanted to to do well or you know that you had to involve somebody who was experienced in it so and and uh ronnie much was the person that he would sometimes give clinics and then so i was familiar with his way of teaching and comfortable with him when i went east um 
you know, George Morris also uh, was a, a person who I went to a couple of his clinics and was very influential uh, in my writing. Um, Kathy Kuzner, uh, when I was as a professional, not a junior, she would occasionally come and give clinics at Far West. And I remember, you know, having so much respect for her. And she, I feel like, changed my writing after I kind of had, like, developed a style and, you know, kind of had a habit of how I rode. And she, you know, made a little bit of changes here and there. And I felt so comfortable in, in you know, doing some changes where I had already been so set in in my writing does that make sense right yeah yeah and so I would say she was uh an influence also I mean I'm there there's there's been so many people I don't want to leave anybody out uh, (laughs) but those are ones that really come to mind right now yeah I know you you can't touch on them all I totally understand there's so many people (laughs) that that come into our lives as writers and you know it could just be one little thing they said or they could be there for for years but there's so many people Yes. And Tom Hardy is another one just came to mind. He also would come out and give clinics. Um, and, you know, I can just remember where something where I struggled. It's like they immediately touched on it and a light bulb went off in my brain. And, and I can remember what it was that that they taught me. And this was I'm talking, you know, many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And he also was a person and he was a jumper rider. He wasn't, you know, I had I never really aspired to be in the Olympics or uh, or a Grand Prix jumper rider. I mean, there was mm-hmm. one point in my career where I felt like it would be fun to, you know, do something a little different. But basically, my background had always been equitation as a junior and then hunters as a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, but you it doesn't mean you can't learn something, you know, from a jumper. Yeah, definitely. You know, from pre-writer that would carry over into your, mm-hmm. you know, profession or your, yeah. uh, I'm, t- I'm trying to add a loss of words for what I'm <laughs> No, I totally I'm understand. Saying. Yeah, everybody, I mean, so, so many of the tools um, can be used in no matter what discipline, you know, whether it be hunters or jumpers or equitation. Yes. And actually, so like you said, your focus for most of your career has been, or I should say, you know, you did the equitation in your junior years and now your biggest focus is in the hunters. So what is it about the hunters that you love so much that just drew you into it and has kept you doing that for so long? It's, that's a good question. I mean, they, the art of it, the, you know, the beauty of it. I, I love watching a good, you know, Mm. even as long as I've been doing this, I could still sit in the stands at, you know, Capital Challenge or, you know, Harrisburg and and all day long watch these, you know, beautiful, talented horses and and their talented riders and try and, I learned a long time ago that you never know it all. (laughs) And so you can still pick things up, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter how long you've been doing it. And, but it, for me, it's entertaining. I, I just, I love it especially on that caliber, you know, I, I just, yeah. So that's kind of kept my interest. And, and also the feeling of when you do get that round where you feel like you nailed it, you, you just, mm-hmm. 
thrive for that to happen again and again. You know, it doesn't yeah. always, but you you keep aspiring to that because it is it's it's very gratifying. Yeah, it's almost like you're you're chasing that high, even if, like you said, yes. you, you know, it, you didn't even necessarily have to win the round, but there's just that right. feeling that you know that you did your best and your horse did your yes. best. And it's yes. a feeling that you just chase over and over and over again. That's right. Yeah. And over the course of your career, um, you have ridden many, many a horse. So I'm curious if you could pick a few horses in your riding career, who they were and why they were so influential in your career. My gosh, that that is difficult. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, going back, I feel like uh, there was a horse named Airwolf. He didn't really, for me, he was just a very special horse. And he was uh, a horse that my husband and I uh, owned, you know, early on in, in at least my professional career. Um, and that was, he was very, very special to us. Um, because he, I'm, I'm trying to think how to describe it. He was just very smart. And again, he, it was like, he taught us. If that mm -hmm. makes any sense more yeah. than, you know, and yeah, definitely. Uh, other horses, uh, Faster the Game was a horse, Two of Hearts was another horse that mm -hmm. these horses I went east with when I was really a nobody, not not well known on the East Coast. And it was so exciting to go there with, with, with a quality horse like that, that people were, you know, clamoring to buy. And, you know, that that felt really good. And to have some success against those those people that, you know, had, had so much success at indoors and things like that. Um, those two horses also touchstone was a horse that I was, I, I was a catch rider on. Um, I won the professional challenge on him. I feel like he was again, particularly important in my, you know, career. Mm -hmm. uh, currently big shot who mm -hmm. is, you know, so important to us. I mean, he's one, again, it's very exciting for me to have success, but it's even more fun when my husband's involved and it's together, it's a horse that we've worked on at home and trained and gone to the horse show with. I Not to yeah. say I don't get extreme joy out of catch riding horses and collaborating with other trainers because I learn so much from, from other trainers when they're on the ground for me. Mm -hmm. But to have that, you know, project at home that you, you know, go to the horse show with is really special. And yeah. his owners, you know, Big Shot's owners have been such loyal clients of ours um, that that the success that, that that horse has brought is probably, you know, the most special. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's so rewarding, like you said, having a horse that you have at home that you're working with every day and then to see them have success. There's a, yes. you know, almost like a next level of reward that comes with that. Definitely. So I totally understand what you're saying. And mm -hmm. then, you know, when it's such a team effort, I mean, mm -hmm. it, even the groom takes pride in it and the, you know what I mean? It's, it's mm -hmm. just, 
Yeah. I get goosebumps thinking about it. I mean, how much joy that horse has brought us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I'd like to go into your business, Far West Farms, a little bit. So Uh when you, you know, you juniored out and you became a professional, where along the lines did you realize that you wanted to have your own business and that you wanted to train and you wanted to compete and when you established Far, Far West Farms? Well, Far West Farms was very established by the time I went to work there. Um, I became a professional right out of the junior ranks. I never, you know, rode mm-hmm. as an amateur and I rode for Sherry Rose, my trainer, um, who was originally my babysitter. <laughs> and so I, you know, I knew as a junior that this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to go directly into the pros. Um, I already knew that I could do that with Sherry. And I worked for her for a, a few years. I'm thinking at, at least two or three years as a professional. Um, I began dating my husband, Coast Carazesis. And from there, it kind of turned into, you know, if if, if we're going to go on to possibly get married, I would, I would, should, would and should need to see if we can get along in that kind of situation where Mm, he would be, you know, training alongside me or I would be along him because he has more years in the, in the business than I do. Um, And he and his brother together ran Far West Farms. And so I left Sherry and went to work for Far West Farms at that time. I believe I was probably 20 at that time, maybe 21. Um, And it, it was wonderful. I mean, I, it, it was, it really was, it, 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 we have so much respect for each other and mm-hmm. just, uh, worked out mm-hmm. amazing. I mean, we, we've been married 39 years, so we've been together for a very yeah. long time. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. So what does your, you know, your kind of barn family look like and your, your training program with your students? So. I would say that we've kind of downsized a little bit. And also I would say ever since COVID before COVID we were, it felt like on a hamster wheel a little bit. And honestly, we were going to horse shows living out of hotels at least three weeks out of every month. And I never thought I would get tired of that until we actually were forced to stay home and I thought, this is this is kind of nice. We're actually training our horses at home and spending mm-hmm. time, you know, living a little bit of a normal life. Um, and so that kind of changed our program, I would say. And fortunately, the clients that we have, um, which aren't as numerous as before, um, were all about it and happy to go along with that. So we kind of changed it. And now, uh, you know, we, we go to places, maybe not the same horse shows week after week for point year end points or anything like that. We go to a location where that would be nice. Let's try Thunderbird in Canada. And we did that last Mm -hmm. year and it was amazing. So fun. Um, so that aspect has, has changed a lot. And I would say it's, you know, very happy with that. And when you, you also had asked originally about our far West family, which I'm sure, you know, through research, Karazisi's family, there are 
um, quite a few of us <laughs> yeah. in the industry. Mm-hmm. And so it's so wonderful to be able to train alongside my daughter or our, I should, our daughter, Katrina Karazisis. Mm-hmm. She has her own uh, business, but we help each other out in various ways and I'll teach for her or she'll write one for me and things like that. And so it's, it's very fun to be involved with her and her business as well. And are your businesses close by each other? We train out of the same barn. Yes. Okay. Oh, excellent. Yes. Okay. it's, It's been so much fun. And getting into your training a little bit more, what would you say is your training philosophy, both when, you know, you're the rider and then also when you're on the ground training your students? I have to say, I mean, the horse is, you know, very important to me. And so I try and read them through our training program, you know, and not, not, Mm -hmm. you know, if a horse isn't capable of doing something, I'm not comfortable drilling them to do it so you kind of have to read what what they're able to do and what they're happy doing Mm -hmm. um and I would say that goes along with teaching as well I mean I I wouldn't want to some people need you know to be pushed and some people just want to enjoy riding and don't want to be pushed and go at their own speed or you know don't have any aspirations of necessarily moving up but they they have a good time they love riding a horse so that's kind of my philosophy in, in that way. I'm not set in any one way. Um, obviously, if I say I have a horse I'm training to go to derby finals or something, then that takes a whole different philosophy. And, you, you, you know, you have the kind of horse that you think is suited to that and you can drill on them a little bit more or, or what have you. But you, you just kind of have to read your goals whether you're the rider of the horse and what the horse is capable of and also who you're teaching. When you're teaching your students, do you ever find that there's a certain type of work that you find a lot of students need to focus on? Yes. And I, and it can be very individual when it comes to that, you know, they're, they're not all the same. So a lot of times if you're teaching a group lesson, you, you might need to call somebody aside and just, particularly work on that um but at the same time in a group lesson what i love about it is if everybody's paying attention they can learn from what you're trying to teach somebody else and so that can be very very beneficial um but also you know it could be something just so basic as heels down eyes up and and drilling them Mm -hmm. on bad habits that they might have you know, developed and that you're, you know, I know from writing, I mean, the, the last thing my husband ever says to me when I go in the ring is eyes up. And I mm. try <laughs> to, yeah. for as long as I've been doing it, it's, I have to be reminded of that. And that's just something so simple and so basic, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's just the little things, the little things and they can make yeah. a big difference. Yeah, they certainly can. And when you are training students at home, do you have a favorite exercise that you like to practice often with your students or like a certain course or exercise that's always set up in your ring? We always have Cavalettis of some sort set up. Um, Coast is not here on a regular basis, but, you know, when we feel like we need some drilling, we'll say, can you come out? And he'll come out and drill us on Cavalettis, which 
you know, then he comes out and we're thinking, why did I ask for this? Because it, it can be, you know, something as simple as a Cavaletti, a foot off the ground, mm-hmm. but it's put into an exercise. It's very challenging and mm-hmm. it's what you need. Uh, it, it keeps you focused. It's sometimes you can get unfocused, just walk, trot, cantering around the ring in both directions and, and hopping over a fence here or there. I would say it's it's rare that we actually jump a, a full course. I shouldn't say rare, but it's not something we do every day. Uh, but we do, I would say, Cavaletti's almost every single day. And do you have a certain Cavaletti exercise that you like the best? I like to incorporate, you know, if it if it's just two Cavaletti, say, you know, trying to make someone leave out a stride and get the strides or maybe add two mm-hmm. strides. It could be set, you know, five strides apart. I want you to take, make seven, makes make five, make six. And, mm-hmm. you know, on both leads and things like that, that alone, I know it's, it seems so simple, but it can be challenging depending on your yeah. force as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or you put two together and you make them, make them come forward into the first one and, and have to add once they get, you know, to the second half. Um, mm-hmm. So that would be a favorite. And then another is when you can incorporate a figure eight. I think my my husband, Coach's favorite, is to, say, put a figure eight of Cavalier together, but in the middle, across the center of the figure eight, is a bounce. And so the bounce helps you get the lead change. So even if you have a horse that's maybe not the best lead changer, having the bounce there, really, it it makes it possible for you to get the lead change. It's very you know, helpful to get the horse to learn how to do that as well. And then all the dots are connected. And so you really, it's like from the bounce, you maybe take four or five strides to the next Cavaletti and keep a bend going four or five strides, four or five strides. And to be able to conquer that and be able to do it maybe three or four times in a row Mm -hmm. is, is you feel like you've accomplished a lot. It's it's not easy. And, you know, it, it, very good very good for your focus and for the horse's focus mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to set that one up in my ring because I have a, a five-year-old who is learning his lead changes right now and he can be a little sticky with them sometimes so that sounds yeah. like something that we would be very Even, beneficial for him definitely and it doesn't have to be big I mean the bounce generally he makes it as opposed to being a Cavaletti he makes it X's Mm-hmm. So it keeps the horse centered. They don't dive one way or the other when you're trying to get the lead change. But if, say, they, they miss it on the first one, they catch up behind over the second one. And it, right. it, it really is helpful in that. Right. Yeah. I'm going to have to put that in my back pocket and bring it to the bar next time. <laughs> well, <let me laughs> and set that up for my Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So I'd like to go back a little bit into your competing so um, could you talk about some of the biggest wins or your most meaningful wins that you've had in your career? Gosh. Uh, and I know there's been a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, the ones that are current really come to mind. But going back, I mean, something as simple like that the first time I, I won a class on two of hearts at Harrisburg and Rodney Jenkins mm-hmm. and Bucky Reynolds were judging. I mean, Tim, that that was just so meaningful to me. I mean, it was just part of the division. It wasn't a a classic or, you know, anything like that, but, but that really meant a lot to me. Um, I would say 
the pro challenge on touchstone at capital challenge that was you know on a, a round in a night i'll never forget um and the you know some of the 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 spectaculars that i've won on uh when i when i won the 500 uh diamond medals yeah. at Socrates on undeniable that was mm-hmm. such a thrill and i think partially because it, it it was a very big goal of mine ever since that class got established and mm-hmm. i had been a few times before where i was really you know close to to getting it and then to to finally actually win it was you know amazing and uh you know, big shot winning the spectacular and really winning the spectacular was was uh, I would consider a very big one. Um, as a junior, if I go back as far as that, uh, CPHA mm-hmm. medal finals, California Professional Horsemen's Association has a medal final, mm-hmm. and I I won that in my last junior year, which was you know really gratifying and, and yeah. Uh, Again, when you when you set yourself, you set goals for yourself, and and you know year after year you maybe get close, but you don't quite get it. So to to finally get it is is a good feeling. Yeah, and actually speaking of that feeling, you know, like setting goals and and trying to attain them, especially when you're a junior rider, you know, it can feel so far away sometimes. So how would you, you know, coach a junior rider who has big goals like that and help them get to, you know, the place that they want to be? Well, hopefully you have the support of the family, you know, financial support and you can draw up. I mean, I really do think you need to map it out and plan it out. It's not just something that, oh, I'd like to win that. And then you wait until it gets close and you, you start to prepare for it. I mean, yeah. it, it takes time to prepare for something and, and hopefully, uh, maybe you don't get it the first time you go for it, but that experience will, will only make you better the next time. That's why I would say, you know, it, it would be very difficult to think that you could go indoors from California the very first time and expect to, mm-hmm. to win. And so you need somebody who can can who is experienced in that and that can guide you to get to that goal Mm -hmm. so it it helps when when you have students too i mean i've had a few where there's there's so great and receptive and and they're like you know clay that you can mold i mean that that's just yeah so so gratifying even as a teacher i remember i remember that happened like when i was pregnant i i had to give up my writing aspirations you know i i and then you delve into another aspect of it and, and kind of dive in and, and try and really work on that. And so I felt like my teaching became better when when I was able to focus on, on mm-hmm. the student as opposed to my goals mm-hmm. as a writer. Definitely. Yeah. And in this sport, you know, things don't always go as planned. Horses are, can be unpredictable. Um And of course, you know, they're animals, we can't always expect, you know, perfection out of them. So when, you know, you're competing and something doesn't go as planned, how do you deal with not winning as often as you might like, or as much as you might like? I mean, it's definitely something you have to accept. And, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I get upset about it. Um, But you have to remember, you know, there's another horse show 
you know, down the road next week, whatever. Um, and so it, it, it's disappointing. And a lot of times you might like be gearing up for, for a, a certain goal that you have. And then the horse gets injured. Like you said, there are circumstances yeah. that are beyond your control or mm-hmm. yourself, you know, you, which I've had numerous injuries through the years of my riding, um, where it's very disappointing to think, oh my gosh, I can't, I remember as a junior, I, I broke my ankle and I had a cast on and I just didn't want to give up my goals. So I was riding with a cast mm-hmm. on, which when I think about it now, I mean, how absurd. But at <laughs> the time I was like, you know, I didn't think about, you know, the future and how there could, you know, there's just going to be another horse show to me. It was, yeah. I, I, I really wanted it. And so you just kind of have to, you eventually realize you kind of have to accept and try and learn from it and, you know, gear up for the next time. Yeah. Sometimes you kind of have to take a step back and look at the big picture instead of having that tunnel vision. Right. Right. Yeah. And another question that I, I love to ask and hear from professional riders and trainers, because you know, so many people look up to people like you and you look so perfect and so professional in the show ring. But I think that even people at the top of the sport deal with nerves. So I'm curious if you do. And if if so, how do you handle your nerves? I absolutely get nervous. Um, more so for for big events like a derby or the finals or you know you know main events of the week not necessarily the you know when I'm going into a low hunter class or things like that but mm-hmm. if you didn't get nervous what would you be doing it for you know yeah and and so for me I definitely have routine that I do that makes me may I, I don't want to say less nervous but if I find myself in a hurry getting ready for a class, I just can't handle it. There are some people that can be, you know, five out and not even have their, you know, collar buttoned up. And, and I, for me, if anything, I get ready too early, but it's my comfort zone and it's what mm-hmm. makes it, you know, makes me be able to handle the stress and the nerves. Um, I, I, I get made fun of all the time because I'll, I'll be <laughs> completely dressed in my clothes, even if I'm last in the class <laughs> for, for walking or, or things like that. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm, I'm very organized that way, extremely organized. Yeah. And another thing is also, if you're nervous, I think it is important. I always find time and I, I learned this through reading other professionals who I looked up to in their routine, you need to set aside time where you're, you're able to think about yourself and what's about to happen and what your plan is and, and not have any interruptions. So that's something that's really important for me. Yeah. I've heard from uh, quite a few professionals that they do something similar before a big competition or a big round that they, you know, take some quiet time for themselves to, you know, go over, whether it be go over their course in their head or just meditate for a few minutes, just get some, you know, alone time and, and gather your thoughts and prepare yourself. Yeah. I think, you know, and if you can get yourself for me anyway, like I said, some, some other people might thrive on hopping on at the last second, (laughs) rushing their warm up. I'm always worried about, 
not getting a jump. I mean, Coast will get so mad at me because I'll, I'll be, you know, 10 out and I'll say, did you get a jump? And it's like, it's way too early, but I, I just know that it could happen that the jump won't be available or something could go wrong mm-hmm. in our warm up, and I need more time. And, you know, so I'm, I'm constantly thinking that way and thinking ahead. But uh, another thing I, for myself, have to think about is, is I get hungry often. And I, I know for mm-hmm. some people, they can't eat before a competition, but I have to make sure that I have like snacks around or something because it, it will hit me shortly before I'm going to go that I'm hungry. And, and that's not oh. good either. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's Somehow funny. eating calms my nerves. It doesn't make it worse. <laughs> hey, I think, I think that's probably like that for a lot of people eating calms the nerves. Yeah. <laughs> and just wrapping up here, I have a few more questions for you. So um, what do you think has made you so successful in your career? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I get I that reaction from a lot of people when I ask that question. <laughs> I mean, it goes back to the very beginning. I feel like this is not, this was a passion for me. You know, this was not something, you know, no one in my family rode. So it wasn't like I just followed in the family footsteps or or something like that. This is something that I dreamed about as a child. And, you know, so that kind of kept me going. And then I'm very goal oriented. I do enjoy riding, but I feel like a lot of it is to have a purpose and a goal to set and, and get to that goal. So maybe it's a lot of it has to do with that competition part of aspect of it, not just the love for riding and the horse. Um, Mm-hmm. And fortunately, my passion worked out for me that that I had was able to accomplish things on, you know, riding. And, and uh, I would say that that's had a lot to do with my success. Um, it's just it's amazing to think how long I've been doing this and I still mm-hmm. love it. So, yeah, and I, I know it's that way for a lot of people who who have been in this business for, for so many years and ridden for so long. It's not just something you feel like, you know, Oh, I've accomplished this. I mean, right now I'm a little bit at the stage where I have to start thinking about, okay, when is a good time for me to retire? And I, and I don't feel like now is the time, but I know that in the back of my mind, I do have to, at some point, (laughs) I can't keep going, can't keep doing it. Um, so that part is really hard, but what I do mm-hmm. know is then I will I'll, I will continue in the industry. I will, whether it be become a judge or I'll give clinics or I'll, you know, delve more into teaching, but I can't see myself just saying, okay, I'm not going to ride anymore. I'm done. I'm going to retire and, and walk yeah. away from the sport. It's, it's a passion. It's something mm-hmm. I just. Yeah. You can't walk uh, away from that. Uh-uh. Can't. Yeah. And so, you know, we touched on this a little bit before that, you know, this is a hard sport um, for everyone, whether it be professional, amateur, junior. So what would you say is the hardest part of the sport for you, whether it be, um, you know, time wise or emotionally, financially, mentally? Uh, I mean, all of those things can be a challenge. Um I think 
if you're lucky enough, I, you know, there are kids in, you know, coming up now that have a lot of financial backing, but the ones that really want it, they, they should stay at, keep at it. I mean, not growing up, my parents didn't, you know, didn't have that kind of, uh, money that they could buy me the most expensive horse and, and, you know, mm-hmm. but fortunately I was able to maybe take a horse that had problems and I, I didn't turn it down. You know what I mean? This was my ticket. Yeah. That's all I had. So mm-hmm. you make the best of it. And I think that helped me a lot in my success is that you, you know, you make the best of a situation. And then yeah. you said, so emotionally, yes. I mean, some people, you know, emotionally get too upset and you can't with a horse. I think it's really important. And I've learned that. I mean, when you're having a bad day, maybe not horse wise, but something outside is something with your family or you're sad or it's something happened and you go to ride, you you can't take it out on the horse. And, and that's something you have to really be careful of. If somebody is an emotional person they have to try and let go of that when you're riding because it's not the horse's fault and yeah. it won't, it won't get you anywhere that that won't work. And so mm-hmm. that part is really important that, that you're able to, you know, and I sometimes feel like it takes my mind away from my problems because you have to focus on your riding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that to me is such a great outlet. If you can just focus, the horse makes you focus and you should be focused when you're riding. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you'll catch yourself doing the, the grocery list and that's when the horse explodes and you, you're sorry you weren't yeah. attention. So that part emotional is, is really important too. You have to kind of be steady as far as that goes. The horse senses it. They, they sense your emotions. Yeah, they absolutely do. And I, yeah, very good point about, you know, trying to leave your emotions behind you when you go to the barn. I know that, I mean, even myself, that's something that I struggle with, you know, that if I've had a bad day and I'm carrying, you know, bad energy or I'm anxious or something, you know, maybe that's not the best day for me to ride because I don't want to carry it, you know, into into the barn. I don't want to, I don't want to put that energy onto my horse. Or like you said, sometimes, going to the barn, you've had a bad day and then it's a fix for you. And then, you know, all of that anxiety floats away and then you can focus on what you're doing. Definitely. It uh, doesn't seem so bad afterwards, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Looking back at your younger self, is there any advice that you would give her? I would say I, I don't, I don't have any regrets. Uh, I feel like I've really done my best and tried hard all along. So I feel very good about that. Um, but advice, I, some, I, I used to, I used to take things maybe too seriously and, and get too upset over, you know, a loss. Um, so that would probably be my advice to, to know, just, you know, learn from it and work harder for the next time. Mm-hmm. And a- another thing I will say is later on, when, when you do have these accomplishments, you really need to savor the moment because, like you said, you can't expect to win time after time after time. And sometimes when you say achieve a goal and, and then you're just ready to move on to the next one, 
I feel like you need to take a minute and pat yourself on the back and enjoy what you just did. Because as soon as you let go of that, then you're back to, you know, trying to attain it again. And so I've, I've learned, and I would say that's somewhat recently to really savor, uh, you know, an accomplishment that, that I feel like I've set and made and enjoy it because I, it, it may not happen, you know, the next horse show, you're only as good as your last ride kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You need to savor those accomplishments. Yeah. Kind of like what we talked about about before with, with the looking at the big picture and, and the tunnel vision, like you can't, uh-huh. you can't, you know, just, you know, have the win. And then your tunnel vision is just looking at the next thing. Just take a second, take it in acknowledge, you know, that you've had this, this great moment and, you know, you know, give yourself a moment of respect for the achievement that you've made. You said that perfectly. That's exactly (laughs) right. And so I would tell my younger self or, you know, any other person that, that has accomplished something to just look at it and and savor it and, and give it a minute. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. You worked really hard to get there, Mm -hmm. most likely. Absolutely. And do you have anything else that you would like to add about yourself or about your farm, your business? I just want to say how fortunate I feel to, to, to be in this business and do it as long as I have. And to be, you know, a Karazisis and the, the whole, my whole life experience has been so gratifying. And I'm, I just want to say how, how lucky I feel. And I'm grateful for my kids. Um, I sound like I'm being mushy now. (laughs) No, that's okay. But there's a lot to be thankful for. There is. I, I'm so grateful for family. I, mm-hmm. I have to say, I'm. I'm just. I feel like without all that, I don't think I could have gotten to where I am today. And especially, and that includes my husband, who mm-hmm. has been so supportive of my career. Uh, he's a, a phenomenal ground man and such a good horse person. I just know that I I wouldn't have gotten as far as I have without him at my mm-hmm. side and on the ground. <laughs> That's very sweet. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that too. And what's next for you? What's on your radar in the coming months as far as showing or training at home? What kind of plans do you well, have? Unfortunately, things have slowed down a little bit. I don't know if you've heard in California, we've been hit with a virus called the uh, vesicular stomatitis virus. Oh no, I hadn't heard. Quite contagious. And so we kind of have decided not to go to any horse shows until that mm-hmm. kind of gets a little bit more under control. So yeah, that's our smart. plans for the summer have really changed. Um, so I, at this point, I'm really missing going to the horse shows. I know for mm-hmm. a while I said, it's been really great to be able to stay home, but I mean, it, I, I do yearn for the next horse yeah. show. I have to say you get the itch. Um, oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> And so for right now, uh, depending on the virus, it, it really depends. Um, mm-hmm. 
I would say I also kind of had a setback earlier in the year. I had a fall and a bad injury to my arm. So it, it took me a while um, to get over that physically. And I'm mentally. sorry to hear that. Yeah. And so there weren't a whole, there wasn't a whole lot we had scheduled for the year as far as competition goes, but right now I am really itching to get back in the show ring. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that so feeling To Recently I was able to catch ride really in a derby um, at the Oaks. So that was a lot of fun meeting up with, mm -hmm. with uh, Devin and, and that horse again was, you know, so grateful for that. Yeah. It's, it scratched that etch a little bit. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate you uh, speaking with me. And I'm really excited for our listeners to get to know you a little better. I appreciate calling and asking. Um, thank you so much. I've always been a big fan of Practical Horsemen. So. Thanks for listening to this week's episode with Jenny Karazizis. And a big thank you to the sponsor of this week's episode, Purina Animal Nutrition. Learn more at PurinaMills.com. You can subscribe to the Practical Horseman podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Also, tune into our mini-sode series, The Fod Pod, where you'll hear audio lessons from our favorite Practical Horseman on-demand clips. At Practical Horseman On Demand, you can enjoy hundreds of how-to videos and get insider access to exclusive interviews and lectures, slow-motion demonstrations, and step-by-step -step tutorials taught by top-level pros in the hunter, jumper, equitation, and eventing disciplines. When you tune into the FOD pod, listen closely for a promo code for 15% off your Practical Horseman on-demand subscription. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. I'm Julia Murphy, and you've been listening to the Practical Horseman podcast.